Hello, everyone. Welcome to All Things College and Career, the podcast to turn to for all of your college and career planning needs with your hosts, Meg Gary and Bobby Ryan. You came to the right place to gather as much information as possible about college and careers before you make any big decisions. We are so glad you are here to learn before before you leap each week with us. Today, we talk with Dr. Julie Capel, a doctor of veterinary medicine, a practice owner and manager, and a veterinary life coach or mentor. And she's also a blogger and a podcast host of the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel. Anyone researching what it's like to be a vet or anyone that is a practicing doctor of veterinary medicine looking for a life coach or mentor, then this podcast is for you. Julie tells you everything that you need to know to become a vet. We discuss what veterinary school is like, what a typical day is like as a vet, and the advantages and drawbacks of the career. She brings up things that most people would never even think of. Yeah, she really does. We so enjoyed our conversation with Julie. She has a soothing, calm voice and an incredibly warm personality. She sincerely wants to help any veterinarians out there who are struggling in their field using her many, many years of experience, not to mention her skills as a life coach. Absolutely. So this podcast is chock full of great tips and advice for for anyone considering this field. Yes, so without further ado, let's get to our conversation with Julie. Let's do it. Hello, Dr. Julie Capel. Welcome to All Things College and Career. Thanks so much for doing our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be here. Hey, hello, Julie. We are so excited to chat with you today. And since you are a seven on the Enneagram, I'm pretty sure. Yes, I am. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you're up for this. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'm always up for new things. That's what That's sevens right. do, right? That's exactly uh, it. We're always up for newness. <laughs> so, hey, where are we talking to you from today? I am in Michigan in Sterling Heights mm-hmm. near Detroit. Awesome. And my practice is in Warren, so it's close by yeah. here. And yeah. I've been here a lot of years. So A lot of years. It's definitely your Michigan. home. Yep. <laughs> That's great. It's a great state. So I know you wear a few hats these days as a podcaster, a vet life coach, a blogger, to name a few. But to narrow down this next question, could you share with our listeners three things you love about being a veterinarian and owner of Warren Woods Veterinary Hospital? Yeah, the thing I love most about being a veterinarian is just, I think, the variety because... Mm. You know, I'm one of those people that likes to do a lot of different things. And when you're a veterinarian, you just never know what's going to come in the door. So mm-hmm. that's really exciting. And and you have all different species, right? You'd have exotic. Oh, yes. Yep. Yeah. I'm yeah, an exotic so pet veterinarian. So I see yeah. a lot of birds and I see lizards. And So when you talk yeah. about variety, you don't mean different types of dogs and cats. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that. Yeah. That, but I mean, not just that. Sure. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. So one of my primary things things that I do is see birds. And so I'm one of the few people in our area that do that. So that makes my job even more of a variety. Yeah. And that's um, so the, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing I really love about it is just the animals and the people, because that makes it truly exciting. Because, you know, if, if you deal with a lot of people or you work with the public at all, that can be challenging, but also... Sure. Very interesting because you meet a lot of really um, variety of personalities. Sure. (laughs) That can be good or bad. Right. Yeah. Keeps you on your toes, but yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that makes it challenging, mm-hmm. but um, that's always fun. Yeah. Do you have a favorite kind of bird or? Um. Well, my own personal bird is a Quaker parrot and they're mm-hmm. just this little green bird, but they're very, very loud. And I really do love them because they have these really strong personalities and they're very cage protective. So they usually will bite everybody in sight, but they're kind of little comedians. <laughs> so I, I do love them, but it's mostly parrots that I see. So I see a lot of parrots and some canaries and finches and things like that but do you see any wild birds at all or yeah we do periodically we do we have a few clients that have wild birds as pets Mm -hmm. and so I see a few robins and sparrows and those kind of birds that people have raised from babies and were not able to release and so we see those but I don't routinely see wild birds it's mostly pets right Mm -hmm. and so what was that third thing you were going to just say Oh, the third thing that I love about my job? Yeah. Um, I think what's really interesting about being a veterinarian is you never 
you never know everything. Mm. And with medicine, it's always changing and always growing. And so almost on a weekly basis, I'm learning something that I didn't know the day before. And sometimes it's by design. I learned something because I read it in a journal or I to a continuing education speech or something like that. And I learned something. And sometimes it's just by necessity. If something comes in that I've never seen before, and sometimes you just have to be creative and try to figure out a way to fix something that's Mm, new to you. And that's a really interesting part of our work is just the challenge of the change and the variety and challenging your brain to do things it hasn't done before. Yeah, keeps your brain young. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keeps your yeah, it absolutely thinking. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. It's good. Yeah, those are three very good reasons, and we can see that you've made a little or added a little something to your repertoire, and you are now a life coach. Do you specifically coach other veterinarians, or just a general life coach, or? Well, I I am a general life coach. I'm certified as just a general life coach, but Mm -hmm. most of the people that I coach are in the veterinary field. And and that's Mm. kind of why I got into it because the job is so challenging. And a lot of the younger veterinarians that are getting into it now are struggling a little bit with our career. Mm -hmm. And so I really saw a need that people needed help. And because I've been doing this this for a long time and I'm really passionate about it and I've worn a lot of hats in the veterinary field, I thought it would be a perfect thing for me to add in the coaching. Mm. And I've, and I've always like loved leadership. like you have leadership. something to offer that way? Absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. I've raised kids doing this job. I've been a mm-hmm. business owner. I've had a lot of experience mm-hmm. in, in life. And um, so that perfectly bridges over into being a life coach. And I, and I really enjoy it. I started out just getting some coaching myself and studying that whole field. Mm-hmm. And and then I just thought, you know, I'm just going to do this because I really think there's a need for it in our profession. And that's how I got started. So what is it that's making it so difficult for young veterinarians coming out? Yeah. Is it fewer jobs or just No, tougher? actually, there's a lot of jobs. Right now, okay. with the way the economy is, veterinarians are really needed. There, yep. there are a lot of spots for veterinarians. But I think what a lot of young veterinarians didn't understand when they got in or they're just struggling with at this point is the fact that your life is a little bit wrapped around your job. And sure. so that work-life balance thing is sometimes a little bit challenging. Mm-hmm. And instead of balance, I like to call it harmony because, <laughs> you know, people get right. a job and they end up working, you know, 40 or 50 hours a week and and they didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. And also right. they didn't expect the level of, I don't know if I would call it guilt or just the challenge that becoming a vet or being a vet poses this unique challenge that people will ask you questions when you're not at work. So anywhere Uh, you go, any party you go to, any gathering, any dinner, as soon as somebody finds out you're a veterinarian, right away, they're like, well, I have a dog and they start asking questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think sometimes if people aren't prepared for that. There's no mental break or downtime. That can be tricky. Yeah. It's tricky and it's tricky to draw boundaries because then they feel like they're not compassionate, you know, and there's this Mm. well of compassion that we have to put out constantly. And, and I think that sometimes gets tiring if people don't mm. take care of themselves. Sure. And I think that's where the challenge lies. And if you're at work 40, 50, 60 hours a week, when you're off, you need to just kind of disassociate from that endless compassion because, right, you have to start looking out for yourself a little bit in your off hours, I'm sure. Yourself and your family. Yeah, your family, you know, your or whatever else you have exercise. going on. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's why it gets really challenging I think for that's some people. much like medical doctors. Oh, you know, absolutely. Same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. we have two in our family and sure, they get hit up <laughs> we'll be at dinner and some of them come over and be like, hey, you know, I have free advice. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so. it's just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah right? it, it happens all the time. And I think instead of just taking that mm-hmm. as it comes, sometimes veterinarians take it so seriously that it becomes this big burden on them. And yeah. so my job as a life coach now is to try to help them deal with that and protect themselves and protect their brain so they right. don't they don't become overcompassionate and then you right. know, burn themselves out. Yeah, exactly. You're like a mentor. Right. <laughs> we yeah, uh, interviewed a clinical psychologist 
Burgess earlier on in our podcast. If anyone wants to go back and listen to that, it was Julie Schneider. I can't remember the episode number, but um, it was in the single digits, but yeah, it was a while ago. But yeah, (laughs) she did mention a similar experience as a clinical psychologist that you kind of have to learn how to leave the job behind to in order to be. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but in order to be the best doctor when you're on duty, you have to let it go at some points to right. Right. And I think that's a challenge because most veterinarians get into this field because they're very passionate about animals. Mm, But we we can't always help all the animals because the animals come with people attached. And then those people people get to make the decisions. So it's not always up to us and and they're not always the best decisions in our minds. So it's very hard to let go. It's it's, it's a difficult balancing act. But that's why I wanted to do the coaching thing, because I think that that's a skill that you can learn. And if you have somebody that understands, they can help you learn that skill Mm. of self-preservation. Sure. And with all your years of experience, you're the perfect person for that. And, you know, listening to you explain your experience as a life coach, it reminds me of the podcast we did recently with admin Michael Scharf. They have a podcast as well called Mentoring for the Modern Musician. And they're mm-hmm. basically doing the same thing for musicians yeah. as you are mm-hmm. for veterinarians. They're seasoned vets, yeah. pros, and they just have so much to offer to young yep. musicians starting out. And right. I'll have to listen to that because my kids are musicians. <laughs> oh, it's definitely. Ironically, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. They have such amazing advice. It's just awesome. And it's it's just like your podcast where a Mm -hmm. lot of the advice is transferable to just about any career (laughs) in many aspects of your life. But yeah, definitely if you have your children or anyone you know that are musicians, it's definitely a place to go. Yeah, definitely (laughs) listen to that. That sounds really interesting. But it is encouraging to hear you say that the jobs for veterinarians, they're plentiful. So that's good for anybody considering this field. Yeah, right now they are. They're Mm -hmm. very plentiful, actually. And for veterinary technicians as well. Everybody's always looking for more help right now. So that's always I just wonder why is it fewer people graduating with that degree or is it because more people have pets or I mean what do you think drives the demand there's a limit on how many veterinarians can graduate because there's a limited amount of veterinary schools in the United States. True. And so yeah. it's a small amount, but mm-hmm. there's more and more veterinary hospitals opening up and there's more and more people with pets. And yeah. people are demanding higher quality care for those pets. They're treating them more like children than they did, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. I totally agree. I think about when <laughs> when we were growing up. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Our, do- yeah, our dogs didn't go to the vets too often, trust no. me. Yeah. Yeah. And, now, and my yeah. dad was like, well, I'm going to take him out back and shoot him. You know, that kind of thing. He never did. He never, ever did. He never did. He was really had a heart of gold. It was just a, yeah. a, a little bit of a threat. So a little bit would, of a uh, threat. step up and help out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. He wanted you to help take care of him. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but that's definitely anyway. changed, you know. It has. It has. There's so, so that many. Ma- that's you know, a great explanation. Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. And mm-hmm. and there's pets that are, you know, support animals for their people. And so they're, mm-hmm. they're just more important. And so I think that's why there's a higher demand. And a lot of veterinarians are trying to work part time a little bit more than they used to. And, you know, the yeah. quality of life issues make it a little bit harder to keep those positions filled. Sure, that makes sense, too. Mm-hmm. So, OK, we know you went to school a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two or three. You can tell people. I've been, I've been out of school for 30, well, 31 years. I graduated right, and that's, from but Michigan But that's what State makes you so seasoned. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's why yeah. you can be a life coach and mentor. Exactly. So, yep. But can you, I'm sure Michigan has changed a lot over the years, but what would you give our listeners for a couple of takeaways from going to school there? Well, Michigan State is where I went and you can't call it mm-hmm. Michigan because yep. Michigan, I'm sorry, I Michigan is different yeah, right. than yeah. Michigan State the, University. Not the same school. Yep. Yeah. And the people that live in Michigan will hold you to that. So anyway, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. My son went to University of Michigan, but I went to yeah. Michigan State University. Yes. Okay. So anyway, 
Yeah, yep. Michigan State. And I still work with them a lot. I'm a mentor for their veterinary school right now. I was just oh, up there so a couple weeks ago. So I'm pretty in involved touch. with the school, yeah, yeah in, the, in the Michigan Veterinary Medical Association. But from what I know of Michigan State School um, at this point, they usually take about 100 students a year is how many they'll actually take into the program. And I'm not sure how many applications they have each year, but it could be up to, um, I think, two or 3,000. Oh my and gosh. now the way they do it, not back when when I applied, but now they have a thing called the Veterinary Medical College Application Service. And so that's kind of a national thing. So when people are trying to get into veterinary school, they apply through that service and they mm-hmm. can apply to multiple schools at the same time. Nice. Is how I understand kind of like the it. common app nice. for undergrad. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what it is. And so they have an application. They have letters so of they recommendation. So many more applications probably because of that process, though, yeah. is what you're yeah. trying to get at. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's how it works now. And of yeah. course, they have prerequisites before you can apply. And that's all the undergrad things that they do. So I don't know how much detail you want me to go into. Um, but. Maybe just a couple sentences about how much classroom work and then how much hands-on work. It's a four-year program, right? Veterinary yeah. school? It, yeah, the yep. actual veterinary school is four years. So it's mm-hmm. it's after you do your, your undergrad, you go mm-hmm. to veterinary school for four years. And yeah. usually it's three years in the classroom and one, one to one and a half years in what they call clinics. Mm-hmm. So after you've gone to about two and a half years of all the schoolwork in the first two and a half or almost three years of veterinary school, then they put you into clinics. And then you do rotations through the different departments. So you'll spend a couple of weeks in dermatology and a couple of weeks in surgery and you'll spend mm-hmm. large animal because veterinarians have to learn everything. They don't right. just learn small yeah, or large. Yeah, that's right. so much to learn. It's yeah, they're getting a little bit more track oriented now. So Are if you they? want to go into small animal, yeah, they're, they're trying to get that. You can spend some additional time in that area. Or... Absolutely. Yeah. When yeah. I went, you had to do everything. You had to learn sheep and pigs and you still do, but they're kind of trying to track it a little bit better. So if you want to do all large animal, they they kind of steer you right. more in Probably that Probably some vets just want to do farm animals and some Yes. Wanna, yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, farm yeah, animals, that's... horses, right. small yeah. animal. There's a lot of different mm-hmm. things that you can do, but basically you'll be in clinics for like, I think it's a, a year, year and a half now. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the end of your schooling. Is there a residency involved at all? Or Well, when you graduate with your four years of vet school, you're a veterinarian and you can practice, mm-hmm. but they also have residencies and internships that you can go into and then specialize. Okay. So in veterinary medicine, there's people that specialize in just cardiology or just dermatology oh, and they yeah. do residencies and internships and things like that. Mm-hmm. But if you want to just be a general practitioner after your four years of veterinary school, then you can practice. Mm-hmm. Is there a major exam you have to take at the end and pass? Yes. Or, mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. There's boards. Yep. You have to mm-hmm. take boards, which is a national test. It's kind of like an all day test that you take or mm-hmm. like six hours or something. It's ridiculously long yeah. and Ouch. painful. And hard. Ouch. <laughs> and hard. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, you yeah. do have to pass boards. In most states, you have to also pass a state board exam. Mm-hmm. Right. Which from what we understand, those are generally a little less painful more like state yes. laws yeah so, so i haven't had to do that in a long time but yeah, I, mean, I do remember Goodness. it it was it was definitely a, a difficult thing but yeah i think I'm sure once you go through veterinary school most people do pass it's not something that they have a high failure they prepare rate of, you but, well right yeah. and you can always retake it i think you mm-hmm. can retake it two or three times in order to pass right and you can probably get some work maybe working as an assistant or associate sure. until you pass right so mm-hmm. you're not yeah unemployed completely yeah <laughs> Most people pass during their final year. Like I think I passed in December, but I didn't graduate until May. Oh, interesting. Right. That must have been the best six months after you passed. Well, you get, yeah, well and that's right. why we did it because yeah. we thought, well, if we take it in December and we fail, we can always take it again in May. Absolutely. Yeah. But if you take it early and you pass, then you're golden. Good to have that yeah. option. So do you have to maintain continuing education credits throughout? Or yes. You do. Yeah. Michigan just this past year, finally, after years and years and years of fighting, got continuing education requirements Mm -hmm. to maintain your license. But for years, we didn't have any requirements. But most states did. Mm -hmm. And now Michigan does. So we have to have, I think it's 45 hours in a three-year period. Maybe it's mm. two years. I can't recall exactly. It's so a but, way to keep you um, up yes, to date and current and fresh. But it sounds like you're learning every day <laughs> from your description yeah. anyway. Right. But yeah. 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 
Yeah, it's it's an ever-changing thing like any mm-hmm. other medical profession. You know, everything's always changing and growing and new drugs come out all the time. Oh, I and bet. I cannot so, imagine yeah, keeping track of all of that. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and you can always. And that's why we have specialists. And I can mm-hmm. always call specialists if I'm having a struggle with something and get help. Oh, so that's veterinarians good. are pretty friendly individuals. So we all help each other. Yeah, I think by nature, the field you mm-hmm. chose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah veterinarians say. are amazing people. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't want to say that about myself because it doesn't sound very honest. <laughs> but yeah, veterinarians are just... You sound yeah, pretty amazing to us, we'll Julie. We'll say it for you. <laughs> great people. Yeah. yeah, I love that. So yeah, yeah. I'm all for that. Good. Uh, yeah, you're in the right field then for sure. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So speaking of your field, can you talk to us about what it's like to be a veterinarian and what your day is like? What's a typical day for you? Um, In my hospital, because I'm in a small animal hospital, mm-hmm. we basically have hours like from eight to seven, eight to six, depending on the day. So my day is I get there about 8.30 or nine because I start seeing clients at nine. Mm-hmm. And then we have clients scheduled from like nine to one. And it's anywhere from 20 to 40 minute appointments. Mm-hmm. So the routine appointments like vaccines and things like that will just be 20 minutes. And then if somebody's sick, they'll have a 40 minute slot. So basically what I do is my technicians will go in, they'll get histories for me, they'll do temperatures and weigh pets and things like that. And then they'll come out, write up the history and tell me what's going on. And then I go in and talk to the client and examine the pet and then basically decide what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And then we do, we can do in the office. So it's a little bit different than human medicine because we do everything. So if the pet that I'm examining needs x-rays, then my technicians will take x-rays for me and they'll draw blood work and they can run blood work in-house. And so we can do the whole workup while the pet is in our office, unless they need some very specialized testing. Sometimes we'll refer them to specialists. Yeah. There's no going to the hospital or lab for and come back. We'll call you when we get the, you can do it right on the spot. That's kind of nice. Right. So we do everything and then we can, you know, see what's wrong with that pet, talk to the client about making decisions based on treatment and then send the pet home. So my day will consist of examining pets. Sometimes I get to see puppies and just, you Aww. know, examine them and give them their vaccines that's and, be you know, so cuddle fun. and that's, that's yeah. really fun. Yeah. And then sometimes you have sick pets and that's not so fun. And yeah. Is it hard to put pets down or? Um, oh it is, you know, it, it really is, but it's kind of one of those necessary right. things because there is suffering. Right. suffering. Yeah. And the way I see it is we can alleviate that suffering, yes. which yeah. a lot of times in human medicine can't be done. Right. And so it's something that you struggle with at the beginning. But I think if you can wrap your mind around the part of the job that is, we're basically helping that pet and we're helping those people make make the decision, number one, if it's the right thing to do. And then number two, navigate those emotions. It's helpful when the vet kind of makes a decision or recommends it, you know, because I think that's always so hard for the owners. Yeah, you don't ever take that decision away from the client because they're the one that's attached to that pet and has those strong emotions. So they have to be on board. Oh, for sure. But you can actually help them go through the grieving process and make it easier for them and make the whole thing easier for Mm -hmm. them. And and that's a big part of our job. And so if you can wrap your head around that being a good thing rather than a a horrible thing, which I don't think it's horrible. I think think it's a real problem. Privilege do I. to be in that yeah. room. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I see the love between mm-hmm. the pet and the oh, and the client, yeah. and and it's just a beautiful thing sometimes. Yeah. So it can be a really good thing, even though sometimes it's hard on veterinarians mm. to do every day. But yeah. it is a big part of our job. Yeah. Do you feel like the animals don't suffer during that process? It seems very peaceful. Not but- if you do it right. Yeah, you have to do it right. You have to and, do it right. You know. Yeah. There's a way to do it so the pet doesn't really know what's going on mm-hmm. and. And they're gently tranquilized and gently, you know, let go. And and so there is the right way to do it. And most of the time, if it's done in a right way and it's not rushed and time is taken, then it goes very easily for everyone. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's kind of the goal. That's what we want. But that's something that we do. It's not every day. It can be every day, but it's not always every day. And I think most veterinarians, if they have a healthy respect for that thing that we do, they can do it and not necessarily feel good about it, but feel like they're doing something useful for that person and that pet. 
because a lot of times those pets are suffering and, mm. and shouldn't be made to suffer through that. So that's part of our day. And then sometimes I have surgeries, like today was my surgery day. So on a surgery day, I'll go in and my technicians will help me examine the pets that are there for surgery. And then we'll decide what we're going to use for anesthesia. We'll go through that process. The technicians will prep the pets and put IV catheters in them and get them ready for the surgery. And then I'll scrub and gown and everything and get ready for the surgery and then go in and perform the surgery, basically tell the technicians what kind of medications to give and all the monitors and, uh-huh. and then, you're an anesthesiologist as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically. You, yeah. You have to do all that. Yeah, and then it's amazing. You know, call the clients. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. So today I did a cystotomy, which is a bladder surgery where you take out a stone. So I got this little stone prize. Oh wow. <laughs> I call it prizes. Yeah. When <laughs> I get to take something out. Oh, you know, right. That must and be so, so relieved to have had a big bladder stone. Oh and ouch. So we took that out. Oh. And then she had yeah. to have her teeth cleaned. So we did a dental on her and, you know, so, yeah. so that's part of our day as How well. How many surgeries and will you generally do? Anywhere from two to four, mm-hmm. depending on the day, yeah. depending on how busy we are, mm-hmm. we'll do a couple of dentals and a, a couple of surgeries. If they're easy surgeries, if they're like neuters or spays, those are a little bit shorter procedures than like the cystotomy that I did today it was a little longer, although hers wasn't too bad because she was a little dog and it was only one stone. Ugh. What would you say was a most challenging surgery you've had to perform? Hmm. I think the hardest ones for me are birds because birds Mm, are super sensitive to anesthesia (laughs) and they're so tiny. I've had to spay like spay little birds take out their uterus and that's really, really hard because everything's so small and you have to be so Mm -hmm. careful because they can't lose a lot of blood. Wow. That does sound really tricky. (laughs) Yeah. Not too long ago, I had a turtle that had prolapsed. I wrote a blog about that because it was kind of interesting and I had to anesthetize this box turtle and try to work on that, which box turtles are really hard to work on because they have this shell that turns into a box and you can't get in there. They just suck everything in. How do you get in there? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't even think about that right it covers your belly and everything yeah that's challenging but yeah I would say birds are probably the hardest things but yeah you know, we take foreign bodies out of dogs. One of my veterinarians this week took out a sock out of a dog's stomach. Oh, oh my gosh. Of course, you dogs know, will eat stupid things. They do. Yeah. They're crazy. Yeah. Dogs aren't very bright. No. So what are you doing with that sock? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was I just lo- chewing on it, it was and it went probably down. a really yeah, dirty, sweaty, dogs. smelly one, too. Yeah, right. Oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dogs eat are kind of gross sometimes, <laughs> but. It makes yeah, it interesting. Get, yeah, I know. They love to roll in dead animals. Oh, and I know. <laughs> we like to ask professionals what the advantages and drawbacks are of their profession. And I was listening to one of your podcasts, and I want to get into talking about your podcast a little bit more. As, okay. But, but something you mentioned that is unique to medical providers, so to speak, is in your situation, you're constantly put in the situation of having to talk about money. Yes. Is that something yeah, you would tough. say consider a drawback. A drawback of your profession. Yeah, I absolutely would because a lot of people don't have insurance for their pets. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. a little different than human medicine and clients don't always understand that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, veterinarians charge so much less and get paid so much less than doctors, Mm -hmm. human doctors. And we have the same basic training. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I don't think people always understand that. And so the whole money discussion can get really uncomfortable because clients get angry at us. Like it's our Mm -hmm. fault that they have to pay. Mm -hmm. And and it isn't because we have businesses to run and people to pay and overhead. And we basically have to do the same things that your human hospital has to do at, you know, an eighth of the budget. Right. (laughs) And so, yeah, it gets very uncomfortable because sometimes people get angry about it if they don't have the finances to afford some of the things that we Mm -hmm. recommend. Sometimes they'll try to blame us and Mm -hmm. ask us to do it for free, which is kind of impossible. If we tried to do everything for free, we would not have a business. Of course not. We would go out of business. So that's one of the big drawbacks is that whole money discussion and having to kind of bargain for what's Mm -hmm. right for the pet because we know what's right for the pet Mm -hmm. and we can say this pet needs an ultrasound and x-rays and blood work and urinalysis and all these things to get a proper diagnosis. Right. And the client will say, I only have two hundred dollars right and And then 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 we're really stuck you (laughs) know because yeah we have to guess what's wrong with them we have to do 
you know, kind of a half treatment that we really didn't want to do. We have to try our best. And that's a lot of pressure. That is. You know, that's, yeah, it that's is a lot of pressure on veterinarians. And uh, you have to say to them like, okay, but I'm going to be guessing here. <laughs> yes. And sometimes you know, people are tests. very appreciative that we work within yeah. their budget and they're very caring and they, they understand. And then other people that don't understand and get angry can be very rude and ugly and give us bad reviews on the internet. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and that's one of the things that's so hard on veterinarians is because yeah. then we have to read what horrible people we are oh. because we're trying to charge for our services. Right. You know? and, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's definitely a drawback. Yeah, for sure. It's difficult. And there's not a lot we can do. We encourage people to try to get insurance on their pets, but some people can't afford it. Is the insurance any good? Well, some of it is. Yeah. It depends on the policy that you get, but it's good for catastrophic things mm-hmm. sometimes. Like if your pet gets cancer or if they eat a sock and it, you know you have a $2,000 right. $3, surgery right. you need to pay for. Yeah. So it can be helpful in those cases. Or if you have a pet that's got like chronic skin problems or allergies or something. But I always tell people when they get pets, I said, if you could just start a little savings account, Mm -hmm. you know, on the side that's like your pet fund and just put a little bit of money in there every paycheck, then when something big does happen, you might be able to afford it. And that would help your veterinarian and that would help you not to get into trouble. Or if you have a credit card that's just for emergencies that you could just use for your pet or something. And that's the thing though, when people buy animals, Mm -hmm. they just look at the cost of the animal or pick one up from the shelter, but owning an animal is expensive. And (laughs) anybody that has ever owned one knows. So you can't just pick one up if you don't really have the ability to care for it. Yeah. And I see that a lot with my bird practice because people buy a little budgie as a pet and they'll pay like 20 or $25 for it. And then when they bring it in and and I'm telling them they need to pay me $100 to do whatever I need to do, they look at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) And you know, that's what it costs. So we went to school. We spent a lot of money to go to school. Oh, I know. So not only do you have to pay for my experience and my expertise, but you also have to pay for the blood work and the medicine and the building and the malpractice and your time. The lights. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, list the list goes yeah. on. Exactly. And people do so. forget that for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a challenge that we experience a lot. What would you say are the biggest advantages? I think one of the bigger advantages that I don't think we touched on is I, there's such a variety of opportunities in this profession mm. that you can pretty much dictate what you want to do and what you don't want to do. Mm. And that's becoming even broader because there's people that just do a home practice and they just do house calls and there's people that do rehab and that's all they do in their practice. And because a lot of veterinarians are now working part time, a lot of people that want to be parents can say, well, I'm only going to work two days a week as a relief vet. And so I, I'll only work two days a week. It provides a lot of flexibility. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And for me, when I had children, I bought my practice. One of the main reasons I wanted to be the owner is so if my kids had something going on at school, I could say, well, I'm not going to work this afternoon. I have to leave right? because I got to go do my kid's school thing. And that worked beautifully for me. Mm. I mean, I still worked a lot of hours and my kids had to come to work with me sometimes on the weekends. But it allowed me that flexibility to make sure that I was always there when my kids needed me. And that worked out right. great for me. So I think that's an advantage, too. Definitely. For right. sure. Yeah. So you're saying today's veterinarians have a lot of flexibility in their schedule and what they specialize in. And yeah, I didn't even think about how you could just do rehabilitation or visit people's animals specialize. And mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's really cool. Yeah. And a lot of vets first getting out of school don't realize that because they've got this heavy debt yeah. burden and they're yeah. like, well, I have to work as many hours as I right. can because I got to pay back the school debt. Yeah, that's sure. Um, that's... But I think if you step back a little bit from that and say, oh, but but I can be flexible. I, I could work just emergencies at night. I could work at an emergency clinic. I could just work during the day. I could work part-time at the emergency clinic and work two nights a week and two days a week at a day practice. I and mean, there are a lot of things that you can do to make your life better. Mm, yeah. So I want to ask you a little bit about your podcast. It's called the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel. And yes, it is. Bobby and I have listened to several of the episodes and you do a wonderful yeah, job. It's <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much. You have a very soothing you voice. Do. So I, I always feel relaxed <laughs> yeah. listening. I do too. Yeah, and <laughs> really? It's well, funny. that's Megan and I, we haven't talked about that, but I have that same feeling. I feel that's very funny because my, yeah. my kids are kind of critiquing me all the time because, you know, <laughs> My They're your best are, critic. Well, they're adults, so I call them yeah. kids, but they're actually sure. in their 20s. Right. So, of course, they know all things podcast. Yeah. 
And of so course. when I, when They're I decided <laughs> I wanted to do this, they were like, okay, mom, you know, and they had me listen to other podcasts. And so a lot of times they'll critique me. My son will say, mom, on this last podcast, you talked too slow. And on this one, you sounded like you were reading. And, you <laughs> know, so they, they keep giving me tips and my daughter's done a few podcasts with me. Oh, oh yeah. wow. We've heard Bridget. Yes. She's really good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She's yeah. excellent. Yeah. So yeah, I'm learning. It's new. I've only been doing it since February. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a pretty new thing for me, but I'm really enjoying it. And I hope I'm getting good information out there for people to listen to and how to think about their life. Absolutely. I I would recommend it to anybody, but particularly to any vets out there because she does, she gets into all the challenges for veterinarians today. You know, you talk about money, relationships, work harmony, finding purpose, people pleasing, setting boundaries, not quitting, Mm -hmm. work-life balance, conflict, student loan debt, and how it impacts vets or just life in general. So that's some great topics. And yeah. I think Bobby and I particularly enjoyed listening to the one with your daughter, Bridget. Was it on the Enneagram? Yeah. And then, to? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why I said you're a seven. <laughs> yeah. We, we both did the Enneagram mm-hmm. and Myers-Briggs. Right. Which... Yes. I, I love Myers-Briggs too. I love all that yeah. stuff. But my daughter's particularly interested in that. And she's, yeah. she's a one. So she's very much a detailer. Mm-hmm. And so she really helps me get to the details. So yeah, I've really enjoyed doing those because I think all that personality stuff it just teaches you more about yourself. Right. Yeah. And if you can learn more about yourself, you're going to be a better human and then also better to other people. Sure. And also understanding the other people in your life and their personality traits and, yeah, and, and how you can better too. relate to right. them. And yeah. Exactly. Right. Which that was mm-hmm. some of the most beneficial yeah. things Bridget dove into. But yeah, it's funny because I've obviously in my profession have studied a lot of this stuff and I thought Bridget provided one of the best oh, really? explanations I've heard. So. Excellent. Good. Yeah, she uh, studies it. Yeah, absolutely. So I would do it with me because I knew that if I had her, it it would go well. And she always teaches me something about it. Every time we get ready for a podcast, I learn things. So yeah, Yeah. it's fun. And we're going to do more of that. I I, bet we're probably going to do another Enneagram for sure. And we definitely want to get more into Myers Briggs because there's so much to that. And then I love DISC. To me, DISC is super easy. So. I love that for more for a business thing. I think that mm-hmm. that works well in veterinary hospitals and businesses. So I like DISC. I would recommend anybody before you listen to one of these podcasts to go ahead and find these online and take the assessment before you listen. Yes. It will make yeah. it a lot more It only more takes a few minutes. But yeah, it's pretty simple. Yeah. Pretty simple yeah. to do. Yeah. And then once you start mm-hmm. reading and you read the descriptions on some of the websites, you'll recognize yourself and you won't always like it, which is no, really no, like, it's oh, a hard, yeah. hard things to face. Uh, how, right. Yeah, hard pill to swallow when, yeah, when, right. when your personality says things. <laughs> the thing that gets always gets me is scattered because I don't feel like I'm a scattered person. But when I hear that word, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess I sometimes I kind of am scattered. I like to mm-hmm. go all over the place. And you I hear it on the podcast is sometimes yeah. I'll get on a tangent and I'll be like, oh, I was talking about this and I'll have to steer myself back. So, so sure. I definitely have to accept that about myself, that I can be a little bit all over the place. Uh, yeah. That's so funny. But you also have a blog. I do. So could you tell us a bit about that? Well, I started the blog oh, probably almost two years ago now. I was blogging for my hospital, which I was doing for about five years and just putting little stories on our hospital blog. And then when I started doing the coaching, the life coaching and leadership coaching thing, I thought, you know, I really need to start a blog and I never thought I was a very good writer. My whole life, my story was, I don't know how to write. I'm not good at that. I wasn't good in English, that kind of thing. That was my brain story that I told myself. Mm -hmm. And so I just decided that I was going to force myself to start writing. And I thought the easiest way to do that would be to commit to a blog. So I promised Mm -hmm. myself that every Sunday night before midnight, I was going to put out this blog and I wanted to do it for veterinarians around this Mm -hmm. life coaching thing. So I started this life coach blog and it's just called The Veterinary Life with Dr. Capel. And I just put it on Blogger because I really didn't know what else to do with it. And I just started mm-hmm. writing. And so every Sunday, as painful as it was, I just put out a story and I try to talk about things that happened to me that week or, you know, just come mm-hmm. up with a random story and then relate it to some sort of life lesson and some sort of, I'll usually put some kind of quote in there from somebody that I like. And I do a lot of Rocky quotes because I'm a mm-hmm. big Rocky fan, mm-hmm. which is kind of silly, but um, it's a great movie. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's probably therapeutic to you as well, being able to write all that down and something about your week and relating it to an experience and then some positive. Yeah, and I just want 
want other veterinarians to read it and know that they're not alone and that yeah. we all struggle with these things sure. and that we can learn lessons and we can do better and we can be better and we can think better. And that's kind of what the whole coaching thing is about is training your brain to think in a different way so you can overcome some of your obstacles and understanding that it's normal. Mm. It's normal to have bad mm-hmm. You know, half of your life's going to be hard right. and, and that's okay. And that's part of the journey. So mm. that was kind of where the blog came from. And then once I got the blog going and I felt pretty good about that, I started publishing in some of the veterinary journals and magazines and the Michigan Veterinary Medical Association published a few of my stories. Oh, that's nice. And then then I started the podcast. So and, and getting my life coaching business going, I've been doing that for a couple of years and coaching right. veterinarians. And so, yeah, it's still pretty young, but I'm working on it. We will include all those links in the show notes for anybody that would like to check out Julie's blog or her podcast or her website or the Warren Woods Vet Hospital. Yeah, that's great. For life coaching, can you do it over the phone? So yes. Most of the time it is done over the phone. Mm -hmm. Usually we do like a Zoom so we can see Mm -hmm. each other, Yeah, which is really nice because it's nice to be able to see who you're talking to. And so that's how I usually Mm -hmm. do it. Yeah, But I've done it in person. Um, Last year at the Michigan Veterinary Conference, I went and I offered free life coaching to the vets that were there. And so we did some in-person stuff with different people. And so I've done it in person. I've done it just over the phone if people don't like me to look at their face, you know, for whatever reason. And, you know, and, and you can basically do it in short sections. And then I have a lot of like handouts and questionnaires and things that I could send to people if they want to do some work on their own, mm. because a, a lot of this is self-work. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, it's it's working on yourself to be better and have a better life. And that's what kind of the whole life coaching idea is about. Right. And they can find all that information on your website. Yes. Yep. They can go to my website. They can send me an email. I do a weekly, I call it weekly words. I do every week I send people emails. It's kind of like a short words of encouragement that I send out every week. They can sign up for that on my website and they can always email me if they have questions or they want to get a hold of me for coaching or they just want to talk to me I'm always open and we definitely will have all that in the show notes but do you want to just say right now what your website is my website is juliecapel.com okay so it's pretty simple really simple and it also if you search on veterinarylifecoach.com that'll also go to the same website okay perfect and I have a Facebook page that's called the veterinary life with Dr. Julie Capel so you can join the Facebook group and I usually post all my blogs there every week okay and my podcast so perfect yeah so we will definitely have that in the show notes for anybody that's not able to write that down right now (laughs) yeah it's pretty yeah pretty simple to to, yeah to remember all that too if you just google everything pops up sure Google is amazing. It certainly is. (laughs) Well, Julie, it is now time for our rapid fire questions. So much fun. But I just wanted to ask you first, is there anything you wanted to add about being a veterinarian or life coaching or your podcast before we get on to those rapid fire questions? I guess the only thing I would add is if there's any veterinarians or people that want to be veterinarians out there that are either struggling with the decision to go to vet school and the the debt, or just if they're already veterinarians or veterinary technicians and they're struggling, just to make sure that they know that there are people out there that can help with that and that they ask for help. And it doesn't necessarily have to be me, but but we're all friendly people and we all want to help each other. And I just want everyone to know that we're out there. And so you- nobody's home alone struggling with these things. Right, because it's a very specific thing. Not everybody can help them mm-hmm. make that decision. So yeah, right. Julie's definitely right. available if you need help through that process. Yeah, career coaching. Don't hesitate. Sure. Right. <laughs> Absolutely, Don't hesitate. yep. I'm always happy to talk. I'm a big talker, so, I to talk, so I'm cool with that. <laughs> All, right. All right, well, hey, that kind of leads into my first question. <laughs> okay. What are three words you would use to describe yourself? After you said I'm a big talker, I would just... <laughs> um, I guess I would say outgoing, confident, and fun. There you go. That's a seven, right? Yeah, that's a seven. I was just going to say, we can just look up a seven and that's see what we got. Super hard. That's a super hard question, though, when you ask somebody to pick three words that describe it. It is. It is a super yeah. hard question. Yeah. I agree. Okay. <laughs> okay. I know you're doing a lot of things, but if you had a free week to do anything you wanted to do, what would you do with that time? Oh, well, I really enjoy biking. I've gotten into that. I'm a tap dancer, so I love going to tap class. It's really fun for me. I love to read. I like outdoors stuff, walking my dogs, things like that. So 
So that's how you um, anything probably spend that's your active. Week. I really like activity. So it sounds like it because none that of should those be one of my words. Active, <laughs> yeah, yeah, active. Four words yeah, to describe that, that should have been one of my words. Yeah, yeah. So you could take out one of those other words. Well, I did active. notice that none of those things that you said involved like oh, taking naps. <laughs> no, <laughs> I hate naps. <laughs> I hate sleeping. I really do. I hate naps and I hate oh, sleeping. Yeah, if you could I've just, always said yeah. that if I could not, if I didn't have to sleep, it's really you get weird, so much but. more done, right? Exactly. You and can add on to get four something more done. projects, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love to multitask. That's one of my uh, favorite things to do. Okay. If you could sit down and talk to anyone, dead or alive, who would you choose? Oh, wow. Just one person? Oh, I don't know. You can pick four if you want. Just <laughs> Okay. Just who comes to say, mind because I'm sure I'm, there's a lot of people you'd love to I'm talk gonna to. I'm going to say Sylvester Stallone because yeah, I love course. him and I love Rocky. Yeah. I'm going to say Cher because I'm oh, yeah. a big Cher fan. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say- I loved her in Moonstruck. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love that was her. a great movie. Mm-hmm. I'd love to talk to Jesus. That would be mm-hmm. super amazing. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's three. That's I'd, three. I'd and those those are three. Th- that would be my dinner party. I think I'd have. Oh my so gosh. Can you imagine that dinner and party? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I don't know if Cher and Jesus would get along, but, <laughs> I don't know. but that might be interesting because I really do like conflict. So uh, it's kind of fun. Well, well, yeah, that would be Jesus loves everybody. Don't forget. I want to go to that <laughs> right, dinner party. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. How do I get an yeah. invite? Yeah. <laughs> we want to be included in on yeah, that right. one. Yeah. That's okay. Right. Favorite day of the week. I think I love Wednesdays because I'm off on Wednesdays and mm. that's the day I get all my things done. And it kind of feels like it's close to the weekend and it's a little bit far from the beginning of the week, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's I nice Wednesday. to have a midweek break. I guess. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, favorite holiday? Oh, Christmas. I'm one of those... <laughs> um, I'm one of those people like the Griswolds that hit one all the Christmas lights on their house. So I'm like Clark yeah. Griswold. My kids tease me. I, I love Christmas. Oh my Christmas. gosh. I love that show. That yeah. Christmas vacation. Yeah. The just... more lights that you can have on your house, the better. And every yeah. year I'm trying to outdo myself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, Christmas. you'll have to take a picture and put it on your blog yeah, right. so we can yeah, all see. Yeah, you should. You should okay. definitely post yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see how I do this year. All right. Anything that you love watching, a movie, TV show, something you binge watched or just something you can recommend that you loved? Um, I loved Mrs. Maisel. That was oh, something yeah. that I the watched just recently. Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, that was, that was really great. amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of the Ninja Warriors. Like I love <laughs> I love competitions yeah. and I I love I accidentally watching that too. I accidentally started watching them one day and now I'm like addicted to it. I just love the ninjas. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then some of these people are amazing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really looking forward to watching Downton Abbey because now they're, oh, the I've movie watched the whole, or the I've, yeah, I've watched the whole series, oh, but me now too. I want to see the movie. So that's, that too. just came out. Seems like a I lot know. of excitement for that I haven't one. heard if it gets good reviews yet or not. I haven't even checked, but I definitely want to Well, my mom it. saw it and she said it was good. So yeah. That's all the review you need. (laughs) Rush out and see what everyone Julie's mom says it's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, my mom said it's great. So just go see it because of my mom. Okay. (laughs) This is kind of funny that I have this question on my list after you. You'll see why in a minute. How many hours of sleep do you need a night? (laughs) Oh, well, I need, I I can get away with five and Mm -hmm. feel pretty good. Usually six is, is like the sweet spot. I do not like to sleep, but Right. But I have to. If I if I get less than five, I'm I'm pretty ugly. So right, I try yeah, not right. to do that to my team. Six is pretty stingy. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's. Yeah. I think you're doing well. Yeah. Like six. midnight, usually midnight to like five thirty or six. Wow, that is a short and night. Sometimes yeah. I I push it past midnight because I'm a night owl. But but wow. that's about. That's do you need I an like alarm to, to get up, or do you just wake? Oh, up? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, I set multiple alarms. Oh, when oh, I was yeah. in college, I had to put my alarm on the other side of the room because oh, I yeah. snooze it so many times. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. So yeah, I'm not a good morning person, but no, I don't really right. like to sleep. Yeah. All right. Paper <laughs> yeah. book or ebook? Uh, I like paper books. I'm kind of mm-hmm. old school. I still do read ebooks, but I yeah. do, I have a stack of paper books next to my where I drink my coffee, and I'm kind of one of those people that'll read part of a book and set it down, and then start reading another part of a book, which drives everybody crazy. <laughs> my husband does that. I usually have three or four going. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting all over the house. See, that's the scattered. Sorry, I'm calling you out. <laughs> I know. I know. Don't and worry. I'm a, I have. I'm we an all have ENFJ, the negative. 
So if anybody's into Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENFJ. And I think they're a little scattered too. Oh, that's interesting. I came out as an INFJ. That's what my daughter is. Oh, interesting. INFJ. Yeah, Yeah. Bridget. I think I'm an ENFP. Is that right? Is that a letter? Um, Probably. Are you pretty outgoing? And yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so that's, that's how that's I right. came out. Yeah. You never know with these things. Okay. Would you rather pick up the phone or send an email? I think phone. Yeah. Sometimes with clients, I like email because then I don't get stuck on the phone for as long. But right. I don't know. I feel like talking, you you can understand people better. I don't think there's as many com- many areas of confusion or conflict. Correct. Right. Mm. You lose a lot in an email or a text. And Plus, people- I'm older, you know, like yeah. I, they didn't have texting when I was in college. So we, we had God, to use the phone. in some ways. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. Sometimes that whole nobody had a camera thing. every second. Thank goodness. Right. right, and that social media is hard on people. I think. Oh sometimes. my gosh, I think That's so a whole too. Whole another podcast yeah. that we yeah. can do right now. <laughs> we'll have to have you back to discuss that one. Yeah, maybe we'll you can be guests on my media. podcast. Yeah, yeah. 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 we'll you can talk come about on mine, so and we can talk about this. Yeah, we would love to idea. be your guest. Yeah. Okay. Um, good. Last one. Some place you have visited that you just loved. Well, you know, Meg and I are always saying we ask these questions so we can. We're generating a list over here like what movie to watch what book to read (laughs) yeah Yeah. well you know I really I really really love New York City Mm -hmm. even though I would I would hate to live there Mm -hmm. Um, but my son just moved there this past winter Mm -hmm. and so I got a little bit better kind of on the ground level idea of what it's like to live there and it's yeah. very a difficult place to live but I just love visiting that there's place. a lot of energy something about yeah. It. yeah it's the energy it's and, great city. and yeah yeah and I don't always love what I see there because sometimes you see some sad things but sure but I do really love New York I love going to Florida in the winter because Michigan kind of sucks in the winter so. <laughs> oh well Maine yeah. kind of does too so oh we no but you know it's what? just beautiful speaking here of, in the winter <laughs> speaking of where the place that I really love is Maine. I love oh, no, I, right. My sister used to live in York, Maine. Yes, yeah. That's and not I, far I, right I next love door. I was yeah. just there um, this past summer for a week with my sister and her husband because they came back to visit. But I love York in the yeah. summer. It's amazing. It's I love the ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of my favorite summer, places. That's when we should do our podcast together. We that's could just right. sit yes. down and chat. It would Absolutely. Be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what what right city are you in? Um, Meg's in Kenny Bunkport. Which oh, is yeah, that's real close. Mm-hmm. And I'm basically in a gunkwit, which is just. Yeah. Yeah. So I know we, where that is. We're surrounded. Yeah. My us. sister lived in York for years. So um, we used to come there a lot. So I love Maine. Yeah. It's one All of my right. favorite places. Only in the summer, though, not in the oh, winter. Oh, gosh. coming in the winter. No, you're not. Of course not. <laughs> Michigan's, bad, Michigan's bad enough. You can go from one cold place to another. Yeah, I'll go to Florida. There you go. There you go. Or Texas. I like Texas, too. All right. Yeah, Julie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I have really enjoyed it. I was a little nervous. I thought, uh-oh, but I'm having a good time. So. Oh, we're so glad you did. You did a wonderful job. Yes, for sure. And anyone out there, consider a field in veterinary science or becoming a veterinarian or anyone that is possibly struggling in this career and could use some really good advice, you're definitely going to want to check out Julie Capel's blog, podcast, website, and even schedule an appointment with her to get some one-on-one advice. I hope so. I love this profession. So I hope people out there that are thinking about it will really consider it because it's really a great job. It's been great to me. Well, that love for your career definitely came through in this podcast today. Thanks. We had a lot of fun, Julie. Thanks a lot. Great. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye. What a wonderful guest Julie was. I felt so relaxed chatting with her. Yeah, she's so easygoing and such an informative guest for any listener thinking about veterinary school or looking for a mentor. For sure. It would be fun someday to get her and her daughter Bridget back on to chat about the Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, and the personality profiling. Yes, they are definitely knowledgeable in that area. Yeah, I'm thinking especially Bridget. She's just right on top of that stuff. (laughs) For sure. And it would be a blast to do. But in the meantime, anyone interested in listening to Dr. Capel's podcast episodes that she does with her daughter, where they discuss some personality assessments in detail. We will provide the link in our show notes that will get to those podcast episodes. We sure will. They're really fantastic. I highly recommend you check them out. Yeah, definitely. And I also highly recommend subscribing to our podcast. It only takes a couple of seconds and it really, really helps our podcast to grow and it also helps others to find it. 
Yes, it does. So please just take a couple of seconds to do that. We would so appreciate it. You know, you could even throw us a nice review if you want. That would be really, really nice. <laughs> we would definitely appreciate that. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. Yes, thank you, everybody, and have a great day. 